Good morning, church. Well, I hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving. Did you have a good Thanksgiving? Some of you still got the turkey uh, sleep going on. We'll try to wake that up a little bit this morning. Uh, I did something probably, uh, I, I would say none of you, uh, but, uh, probably several of you didn't do is, uh, this, uh, holiday. I got a tattoo. To believe that? It's on this arm right here. Uh, my five-year-old granddaughter gave it to me. Now, why she picked, why she picked the Grinch, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how those real ones are, but this one, even this one won't come off hardly. I have babes since then, and, uh, it's not coming off too quick, but I hope you had as much enjoyment as I did being with family, uh, and being, uh, just being around folks and being grateful. So we're going to start this morning with our scripture reading. Evelyn, come on up here, girl. And she's going to be reading for us uh, out of the book of Acts. Of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts two, thirty-eight. Thank you. Great job. Nothing like uh, wrapping up a holiday weekend and heading into the Christmas season with a lesson on the Holy Spirit. Now, I've uh, pulled up some of my old files, and this was a nice, neat typed outline that I think Alan and I did together. So that means he always puts the notes together when we preach together. He types, and you have all these nice sheets and everything. And it was a lesson on the Holy Spirit. Actually, it was pretty good. I, it, the Holy Spirit as a person, the Holy Spirit as a presence, and the Holy Spirit as a partner. I probably should have just went with that again, but that was uh, that was good. Then I pulled up my own uh, outline. It was this, uh, and so. Uh, but I, I thought that we made some pretty good points in it too. But we're going to try to go with a little new, different. Uh, Approach and uh, dive into this thing called the Holy Spirit. We're talking about through this whole season till Christmas the gospel and the story of the gospel, and we're kind of doing it, call it the inverted gospel. We're going backwards, you know. And so we had uh, 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 Alan talk about uh, the second coming and uh, about God uh, in space and out of space, in time, out of time, all his good stuff. By the way, if you did not listen to that sermon, Go back, listen to it. Uh, it's really good. Not right now, but I mean at some point. And uh, uh, it was really, really good stuff. Well, where do you start when you want to talk about the Holy Spirit? And we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit mainly at, that He is a gift. When today we are not getting in, which we already did this back earlier in the year in Corinthians, we're not getting in to all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, just the Holy Spirit Himself. And, uh, so, uh, when we talk about Him, uh, what, what do you do? How do we tackle this subject of the Holy Spirit? First of all, I'm very humbled, uh, to try to, and hesitant some, to speak about Him. Uh, He did give us His Word, and we'll try and make something useful out of His Word 
and talking about him and seeing what he has to say for us today in spite of our own weaknesses. Uh, the first thing I want to go to is the very first uh, two verses of the Bible. Uh, in the book of Genesis, in chapter 1, he says this. In the beginning, God, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So, in the beginning, God creates. We'll take that as the whole Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God creates. And in its creation, at the beginning, you have this form, formless, empty darkness and this water. And the Holy Spirit is hovering over this. And out of this water and this formless stuff, he's going to bring about a beautiful creation. The Holy Spirit, involved in the creation, and not only is he involved in the creation, he's going to be involved in the new creation of us as his children. The Creator, the Holy Spirit, was turning what was chaos into something beautiful. In the Exodus, he is the pillar of fire and a cloud. In the prophets, he proclaims truth with power. In the Gospels, he's a dove at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He is with the disciples. He is not only with them, Jesus promises them that he will be at one time in them when he leaves. He is with them in comfort. In prayer, in truth, and in power. The Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. He's poured out for all and empowers the church to reach the world. He wields the sword, the word as a sword, the truth that changes lives. He is making us a new creation, transforming us to be like Jesus, and He will raise us up on the last day. He starts in Genesis and He continues through the end of the world and beyond. And that Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit of God, He lives in our bodies. That should give us a degree of confidence. Not arrogance, but confidence. Not in ourselves, but confidence In the full Godhead. Matter of fact, it's in His authority that we go out to reach the world and to baptize people. Remember that? He said in the book of Matthew, When you go out and make disciples of every nation, you baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You baptize them in the name of the Holy Spirit. By by the way, in the name of means by the authority of. So he not only is guiding and directing, he has authority. And and that, uh, and when we baptize people, we are baptizing them in the name of the Godhead, the triune God. And then he works his transforming power in our lives. We have the Holy Spirit as an anointing, 
on us. Second Corinthians chapter one. Let's look at this for just a moment. Second Corinthians chapter one. Verse 21 and 22. Now it is God who makes both of both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed, catch that word, he anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Now we're going to deal with the first part of this verse in, in this particular point and we'll deal with the deposit stuff a little bit later he says we have this holy spirit as an anointing on us notice remember in acts chapter two in acts chapter one jesus tells them to go in jerusalem and wait for the coming of the holy spirit and when the holy spirit comes with power they will be his witnesses to the whole world because look the holy spirit is walking with us and in us as the church to accomplish what jesus wanted to accomplish and then in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit is poured out. And that pouring out is, a, is the, uh, 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 is, he says, is the answer to what Joel spoke a long time ago about. And he is poured out for all people. This anointing is not just for certain people. I hear sometimes this thing, well, boy, he's really anointed. or he's. I'm not sure what the terminology means, but uh, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit is on every Christian. Everyone who is in Christ by the power of the gospel, which was baptized in Christ by the authority of the Holy Spirit, has the Holy Spirit indwelling their body. It's been poured out on them. We all have this anointing. This idea of anointing, he, he pulls out a word that's used a lot, especially back in the Old Testament. I want to, I want to take you back to the book of Exodus. You're probably just sitting there reading in Exodus this morning sometime, you know. In Exodus, in chapter 30, and in verse 23, Moses is going to do something here. He says, the Lord said to Moses, take the following fine spices. Now look at this. 500 shekels, that's, uh, I think some of your virgins will tell you the pound is 12 pounds or 12 and a half pounds of liquid myrrh. Half as much, six pounds plus, of fragrant cinnamon, uh, cinnamon, cinnamon, cinnamon. 250 shekels of fragrance cane. It's another six plus pounds. Add the poundage, by the way. 500 shekels of cassia, all according to the sanctuary, and a, and a hint of olive oil, and a hint of olive oil, and you make these into this sacred anointing oil, a fragrant blend, the work of a perfumer, it will be the sacred anointing oil, then use it to anoint the tent of meeting, the ark of the testimony, the table and all its articles, the lampstand and its accessories, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offerings, and all the utensils and the basin with, uh, with its stands. You'll consecrate them so that they be most holy, and whatever touches them will be holy. 
So he basically pours all this massive amount of oil mixture. I don't know, maybe some of you go home and figure out this recipe and make it for us. Something to be interesting to see. And I don't know what you put it in. It reminds me of like what would be in a, you know, those ice chests that they dump the stuff on the coach, you know. Right? I know some of your team didn't get to see that dumped on your coach last night. I know it's hard for you. But, you know, they pick that up and they dump it. All this gallons and gallons of oil is poured. Anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them so that they may serve as priests. This is to my sacred anointing oil for the generations to come. The psalmist writes about he's just poured on Aaron's head and down his beard. And Okay, why, what does this have to do with the Holy Spirit? I just want to get you, I want to get that picture that he has in the Old Testament when something was anointed and set aside as holy. Got it? And these utensils are soaked in oil. Now... Go with me to Titus, chapter 3. In Titus, chapter 3, verse 4, he says, But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the wa- uh, washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he, here's our word, poured. Whom he poured out on us. How? See, a little dab will do you, won't do you on the Holy Spirit. He pours out generously. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. So the Holy Spirit is involved in this rebirth and this renewing and this washing, and he's poured out generously, anointed, poured out, soaked with the Holy Spirit. See, God does to us what Moses did to Aaron and all the utensils. He soaked them in an anointing, consecrated them, set apart for the holy service of God. The great thing about the Holy Spirit living in us and us being anointed by him is that we are to be the holy utensils of God. We are to be his servants in serving. The greatest thing to see about the Holy Spirit is not a from time to time a miraculous happening, although we give him glory for any of that that happens. But the greatest thing is that every one of his children has been poured over and anointed with the Holy Spirit and out serving in a holy way to the world around us. That's the power of him inside us. You're anointed. You're soaked with the presence of God. And in Acts 1, he told those disciples, the apostles, that he's that when that happens to them, they're taking the gospel, they're being witnesses to 
Judea and Samaria and the other most parts of the world. You see, there's never a separation from the church and the Holy Spirit. If your church can do what you do by only human power, then it's not doing what it needs to do by the power of the Spirit. We can plan and strategize and come up with 12, 12 reasons to have church growth and everything in the world. And look, I think we ought to use our minds and figure out that God gave them to us. We want to do it the best we can. But ultimately, there is no glory in what we do. Glory belongs to Jesus. Even the Holy Spirit gives glory to Jesus. He lifts him up. And so we, by being filled with the Holy Spirit, serve in a way that lifts Jesus up and makes him known. We have the Holy Spirit as God's, listen, as God's present future. Now think about that. He's God's present future. Remember in Second Corinthians 1 where he says he is a deposit guaranteeing our future. He is our guide. He is in us. Again, it's a picture of the Old Testament. Remember in Exodus, the from the Passover to the Promised Land. The Holy Spirit of God is guiding, protecting, giving direction to. Matter of fact, he's even grieved by the rebellion of the people as he leads them all these years from the moment of rescue to the promised land. Got that picture? So now as we become a Christian and the Holy Spirit rescues us, Jesus rescues us. God rescues us by the gospel. And he saves us. And so from that moment that we become his child, the Holy Spirit indwells us. And he guides us. He directs us. He comforts us. He leads us all the way to the promised land. And he's a deposit guaranteeing that what God has planned for the future is already present inside my body. God's present future is in us. He teaches, He rebukes, He strengthens, He groans, He intercedes, He grows, He transforms us. And one day He will resurrect us to fully live in the promised land, just like He resurrected Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit. Amen, Kurt. Amen. I know you scared about five people around you, but amen. The Holy Spirit inside of us will bring our bodies out of the ground. Just like he was involved in bringing the body of Jesus out of the ground. So the Holy Spirit... 
is that Exodus picture from rescue to the promised land. Heaven touches earth once again. You remember when that baby was born, right? We're all looking forward to the Christmas day, the story. When heaven touched earth. And now, because of the gospel and we're baptized into Christ, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And heaven touches earth again. Sometimes I want that day to come really, really quick. You turn on the TV and you you see people murdered, folks shot. You see violence, see immorality. And you're like, Lord, just go ahead and come quickly. And then a part of me is like, no, no, I, there's still some people I love. I, I want in the kingdom. So I'm in this battle. I, I want to be over this mess because I'm tired. I'm tired of fighting it myself and I'm tired of seeing other people miserable. Lord, just come quickly. But then at the same time, I'm like, wait a minute. I, I know this guy here and I've been working with him. He, he's close to the kingdom. Lord, can you hang on just a little while longer? We have the Holy Spirit as not only our present future, but as a present hope and help. Look in Romans chapter 8. Now, in Romans chapter 8, he starts out this chapter. And man, it's, look, you want to memorize a chapter that will just uplift your spirits, just memorize Romans chapter 8. He starts out this chapter, he says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. I love that. No means no. There's no condemnation when you're in Christ. There's no, I might make it, I hope I make it, I don't know. No, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life, this is who the Holy Spirit is. He is the Spirit of life. And this Spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. The law that said every time I sin, I die. I'm not under that law anymore. That does not exist for me as God's child. I sin, I mess up, and i got to be corrected and rebuked by the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. But I am not condemned like I was before I was in Christ. There is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful man as a sin offering. And He condemned sin and sinful men in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Holy Spirit. We live according to the Holy Spirit. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what the nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of the sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. Now let me ask you practically, is that that true for you? See, when we, we are weak in our understanding and we forget about what God's done for us sometimes. 
And when I, when I get that way and I get my mind on worldly things and I get divided and I'm not at peace in my own heart. Maybe I condemn myself. Maybe I allow the other people's condemnation of me to rest too heavy on me. But whatever reason, there's not life in peace. Because to be carnally minded, as the old King James, I think, says, to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Who doesn't want life and peace? Then think the way the Spirit thinks. Let Him fill your mind. He'll give you peace. On down to verse 9. And if the Spirit of God lives in you. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. You cannot belong to Jesus and not have the Spirit of God. Impossible. Look what he says. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin. Yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who lives in you. Verse 13, uh, for if you live according to the sinful nature, you'll die. But if the spirit you put the death, by the spirit you put the death and misdeeds of the body, you'll live. Because those who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. For you do not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you receive the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Look what else he does in verse 26. In the same way, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. There's a few groans right there. Hear that? That's all right. A baby crying is just a sign of life in your church. Don't you worry about that, sister. groans that words cannot express. He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints. When you go to God and you are hurting so bad you don't even know what to say or how to say it, the Holy Spirit of God groans and intercedes for you to the Father. I think we're just not very conscious of the Holy Spirit. Next time you have something heavy on your heart and you're trying to express it to God, remember, even if you can't figure out the exact words, it's all right. The Holy Spirit himself will intercede on your behalf. Deity, the creator of the universe, the one that hovered over a bunch of dark mess who turned it into a beautiful creation, that one is talking to the Father on your behalf. The one who took chaos and made something beautiful is still taking the chaos in our life and making something beautiful out of it for God. The Holy Spirit. He is active. We are sons. We are family. And He declares that we are family. We have hope and we have help. He is the counselor. 
He is the one that was promised to the disciples. Remember in John chapter 14? They don't want Jesus to leave in John chapter 14 and chapter 6. They don't want him to leave. And Jesus says, I've got to leave. And when I leave, I won't leave you as, and I love this word, I won't leave you as orphans. You're, or one other version says, abandoned. Any of you ever been abandoned or felt abandoned? Some of you have. You messed up in life and somebody just, your parents said that's enough. A mate said I can't do it anymore. And you were abandoned. Remember how that felt? Alone. Nobody to take care of you. Nobody to help you in all of your brokenness. And the disciples felt abandoned. Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. I won't do you that way. I've got to leave. And when I leave, I'm sending the Holy Spirit. He's already with you. But when I leave and he comes, he will be in you. He will be inside your body. That's why, therefore, you produce holiness because you are bought with a price. Your body is not your own. It doesn't belong to you anymore. It belongs to the one who paid for it. And therefore, you submit your body under the holy rule of the Holy Spirit of God. And he tells us exactly by his word, the Holy Spirit wrote it, this word, how to live life. The Holy Spirit is not about you discovering some emotional direction in your life. The Holy Spirit gives us the direction for life through His sword and His Word. And it will move our hearts in the right direction. The heart doesn't move the Spirit. The Holy Spirit through his truth moves our heart. Don't ever get that backwards. The disciples had the promise of the Spirit. And if you'll look at the fishermen before and the fishermen after, before Acts 2, before the ascension and after the ascension, look at the disciples. Tell me what you see. Read their lives and discover what their lives were before. Look, they had already improved just because they were following Jesus. But now, once they have the Holy Spirit living inside them, it's a, it is, it is a changer. Here's what happened to them. They were transformed from lying men to truth speakers. From hiding men to bold men in the public. From running away to running all over the world with the gospel. From fearful men to faithful men. From abandoned men to spirit-filled men. From sorrowful men to joy-filled men. From weak men to strong men. From fisher men to fishers of men. Ordinary men doing extraordinary things, loved by God the Father, saved by the sacrifice of Jesus, renewed and empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. The same Spirit that hovered over the waters of chaos can make something beautiful out of the chaos of your life if you submit to Him. Allow His leading 
to be the determining factor of everything you do. He desires to produce some things in our life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. The world says, don't control yourself, enjoy yourself. You have the right to be happy. You have the right to live the way you want to. Don't let other people tell you what to do. Well, I'm I'm not saying let other people tell you what to do. I'm saying let the Holy Spirit tell you what to do. It is not about me being happy. It's about me being holy. Choose holiness over happiness. God is more concerned about your character than he is a momentary time of happiness on this old earth. So I'm telling you, living here, oh, I appreciate all the blessings we have from time to time, but I'm telling you, I don't want to stay here. I've been around long enough now to know I, I don't want to be here. And I've also lived long enough to know I ain't going to be here that much longer. <laughs> and you know what? I'm okay with that. The Holy Spirit of God. While you may not understand how he works in every situation. If you could explain him and how he worked, you'd be God. And last time I looked, me or you, we're not God. I don't have to explain everything he does. But I can read in his word and get the picture that he is a guiding force of the church. Not only corporately the Holy Spirit indwells the church, but individually he indwells the church. And he forms you to look like Jesus. Have you ever prayed for the Holy Spirit to be more active in your life? Have you ever asked? Have you ever asked in your prayers, God, help me to submit all my decisions to the Holy Spirit. I think some of us are like the title of uh, Francis Chan's book, The Forgotten God. We've forgotten the Holy Spirit is God. But I'm telling you, A church will never accomplish great things on their own strategy. They will only accomplish it by dependence upon the Holy Spirit of God. Because when you read the New Testament, when you read the book of Acts, what is driving that church to grow and reach the world is the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in the lives of the members of that church. And he desires to empower you too. He wants to take care of your grief. He wants to take care of your lack of control. He wants to make you a kinder person, a more peaceable person. He's not going to force us. You know, God never does that. God doesn't force us to obey him. 
But he gives us every motive in the world when he calls us to look at the cross and not forget. Do you remember what it was like when you were saved? You remember that? Remember what it was like when maybe it was at this church, you walked down here, were baptized into Christ, you reenacted the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus, and you received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Do you remember what it was like that that night you could lay your head down on your pillow and you know you did what God wanted you to do? You knew that God's grace had saved you. We lose our assurance of salvation many times because we fail to recognize the power and the assurance of the Holy Spirit. He lives in this body as a deposit. He is the present future of God inside us. And He will never let you down. Studying the Bible one time with a guy, and he, he said, Mike, can I ask you some question? He said, I've been thinking about being baptized. And I said, well, why, uh, why do you want to be baptized? His name was Larry. And I never had anybody say this to me before, but he said, uh, I've been trying to live right. And I've been looking around in the Bible, and I realized I can't live right without the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit. Would you baptize me? I never had anybody ask me that. Tell me that. Not only do we receive the Holy Spirit as a gift when we're baptized, but He continues to work to transform us. You have an anointing. God has poured Him out generously to set you apart for holy service and transformation so that one day you reach the promised land. Anybody want to go to the promised land? All right, let's load up. And if you don't have Jesus on as your Savior, I say, make that walk down this aisle, hit this baptistry, get in on the Holy Spirit taking you to the promised land. If you want the promised land, come while we stand and while we sing.